Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why blinking communicates a lot more than you probably thought, why astronomers think Uranus is tipped over, and the story of a female murderer who may have inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula. Let's inspire some curiosity. A recent study found that blinking is important when it comes to nonverbal communication. And when we're talking to someone, we subtly and subconsciously respond to the length of their blinks. All right, now, we've known for a while that humans blink the most during face-to-face conversation. And previous research has found that blinking is not completely random. You blink subconsciously, sure, but you tend to do it toward the end of a conversation partner's turn in a chat. Researchers think it's part of lots of gestures, like nodding, that you use to signal that you understand what someone is telling you. Blinking is like nonverbal shorthand for got it. But researchers at the Max Planck Institute for Psycholinguistics had an idea. Maybe not all blinks are created equal. As in, maybe short blinks and long blinks signal something different. So to test this theory, they had 35 people have a conversation with a digital avatar that was projected on a screen. The female figure would ask open-ended questions like, how was your weekend? And then she would signal her listening by nodding and by blinking. Now, both of the avatar's blinks lasted for less than a second, but the short blink was 208 milliseconds and the long blink was 607 milliseconds. Of course, that's a very slight difference, which participants said they didn't notice. But the length of the blinks actually had a measurable effect on the conversations. Short blinks led to longer, more detailed answers, and long blinks prompted subjects to respond much more briefly. The researchers think this is because long blinks may signify understanding more strongly than short blinks. So if a short blink means I'm following what you're saying, a long blink means I totally get it. This might be because long blinks read as more intentional. Conscious blinking takes longer than instinctive blinking. More broadly, this study shows that we're always subconsciously interpreting each other's body language. And when a friend tells you someone seemed to understand or seemed to be losing interest, but can't quite put their finger on exactly why, they may be talking about blinking without even knowing it. It's one of those little details where you blink and you miss it. Astronomers think they've figured out how Uranus got flipped on its side. Wait. How can a planet be sideways if it's in space? There is no up or down in space. I know this from sci-fi. Well, most of the planets and moons in our solar system are more or less oriented in the same way. But Uranus is tilted on its side relative to the other planets by about 98 degrees. And so are five of its moons. And its magnetic field is lopsided and doesn't go out the poles. Gotcha. Uranus is the black sheep of our solar system. Who knew? I mean, with that name, right? (laughs) (laughs) Our solar system formed as this massive cloud of gas and dust that kept swirling around until the sun formed in the center and everything swirling around it formed into the planets we know today. And the way the gas clouds rotated was passed on to the planets. So that's why they're mostly in the same orientation. Except Uranus. And as reported by The Conversation... Researchers ran detailed computer simulations and may have an answer for why this is. The short answer is that something about twice the size of Earth slammed into the planet between three and four billion years ago. And researchers at Durham University came up with this number by running a bunch of smoothed particle hydrodynamics simulations. 
That's a computational method developed about 40 years ago, and it's used in astrophysics, ballistics, oceanography, and volcanology. The researchers ran more than 50 different scenarios on a supercomputer, and that collision idea they came up with might explain some of the other weird properties of Uranus I mentioned, like the rotation of its moons and the sideways magnetic field. It also might explain another quirk of Uranus. It's the only planet where heat from the interior doesn't escape from its core. This study suggests that that thing twice the size of Earth that slammed into the planet was made of rock and ice. Because of the way it landed and how some of the material fell into Uranus's core, it could have impacted the planet's heat flow, altered its magnetic field, and even formed some of its moons that follow that sideways orientation. There's never been a dedicated mission to Uranus, or Neptune, by the way, but maybe someday we'll get even more insights into what our mysterious neighbor has been up to. Today's episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. They offer more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more to help you discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching your goals for the new year, whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills. I'm always looking for ways to make my science writing sharper and more engaging, so I was overjoyed to see that Skillshare has a class called Creative Nonfiction, Write Truth with Style, that's taught by none other than Susan Orlean of The New Yorker. I'm learning from a true master of the craft, and I can do it in the comfort of my pajamas. Skillshare's classes are all taught by real experts in their field or public motivational speakers, and today you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare with a special offer just for Curiosity Daily listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Curiosity Daily listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com curiosity. Again, go to Skillshare.com curiosity to start your two months now. One more time, that's Skillshare.com slash curiosity. A female murderer may have been one of the main inspirations for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Who knew? Look, I know we're not a true crime podcast, but this is an interesting little bit of history. So if you're a fan of the genre, then buckle up because we are about to go on a wild ride. And we won't get too graphic, but if you've got a weak stomach, then now's your chance to tune out and join us again Sunday. Peace out. Although, let's be honest. Anybody that's watched Doctor Who was thinking about the weeping angels during that entire story about blinking. Don't blink! Don't even blink! <laughs> anyway, if you're still with us, then let's talk about Elizabeth Bathory. She was born in 1560 in Transylvania to a family of Hungarian-Transylvanian nobility. Her uncle had been the king of Hungary, and her cousin Stephen Bathory was the Duke of Transylvania. When she was 15 years old, Bathory married a count who was affectionately known as the Black Knight of Hungary. He was off and off on business trips, aka war, and Bathory would ask for details of his gory adventures in letters. Allegedly, Bathory spent her downtime torturing and murdering peasants around her while he was away, sometimes with the help of elderly female accomplices. Weird. Some of her twisted habits included putting people outside up to their necks in ice water until they died and beating people to the point where it was really hard to clean up because there was so much blood. I know I said I wouldn't get too graphic, but this is like the most mild stuff I can even mention without making my own skin crawl. Now, in Bathory's defense, there's a phrase you probably didn't expect me to say, some of the ways she allegedly tortured and killed her victims were somewhat commonplace for this brutal time period. And there's a chance she was kind of framed for all this. 
The Palatine of Hungary was George Thurzo, and historical evidence suggests he might have whipped up these tall tales to get Bathory in hot water with local church leaders, which happened. Thurzo produced evidence of some of this bad stuff, but Bathory never got to speak in her defense, and her family records were destroyed. So maybe she was framed, or maybe she was just a really bad person. But either way, I'm never going to look at the Dracula story the same way again. That's all for today, but you can keep learning all weekend on Curiosity.com. This weekend, you'll learn about the U.S. city with the most writers per capita in the nation, why supernovae sometimes result in zombie stars, why historians are stumped by the original inhabitants of Japan, and more. If there's something else you're curious about, then email your question podcast at curiosity.com. We might answer your question on a future episode. Come hang out with us again Sunday on the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. And stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.